want to welcome you back this morning. We'll begin our new sermon series on the Circle Maker, praying circles around your biggest dreams and the biggest struggles that you have in your life. Today at Family of Grace, you know, beginning to know our heart and our vision and how God has intentionally placed us here to be very strategic in reaching our city. As we are trying to accomplish 80% of our ministry away from our church, we are in need of God's power and provision in our life like never before. Today, if you'd begin to join us on this sermon series, I hope that God will speak to your heart and he'll begin to take your faith life to the next level. And then I also hope that you'll begin to get a glimpse of what God is trying to do in our life and you can begin to pray for us like never before. Luke was a guy named Honey who was a Jewish rabbi and his story was found in the, the Jewish Talmud. And uh, where he drew a circle and put himself in the middle of the circle and began to pray for rain. And as we begin to think about that, what he was saying is that he wants us to begin to, to find those things that are our greatest desire and our greatest strengths and bring those to God and place them there and begin to grab hold of God and not let go. And in the process of that, he talked about trying to find out a new way to pray, a way to pray like we've never prayed before. And in doing so, and using the phrase, a new way, it's completely stirred up a lot of different critics, and some of them are rightly so. And, you know, it says we don't need a new way to pray. And all of them said that Jesus taught us how to pray. In the model prayer, when he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And continued in the model prayer. And so I got to really diving into that and thinking about it and studying that. And I got to thinking, well, if you really want to know how Jesus prayed and you really want the right foundation, you need to go to John 17 and really grab hold of the prayer of Jesus Christ. And so, man, if you pick up this book and, 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 and you don't like it, I mean, just open it up and just rip out the first two or three pages. Who cares about Honey? He's just an ordinary man who lived thousands of years ago i'm not talking about something that happened thousand years ago something that happened in the talmud we're not trying to go to another book we're going to the book and it's jesus christ and we're going to lay a foundation that is greater than any other foundation matter of fact jesus said i am the, the chief cornerstone and i there is no other foundation that a man can lay than that which i have already laid he was the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected I mean, they rejected the very Son of God. And so as we look at this, there's a couple of things that I want you to understand about prayer. And matter of fact, when we begin to grab hold of this, we, we've, so many of us are in a situation where we're in desperate need of God. I mean, have you ever just felt like you were lost? I mean, you may have been born again. I'm not talking about save, raise your hand, lost, raise your hand. I'm talking about, have you ever been born again and you just felt like your life was lost? You didn't know which way was up. You remember, guys, back in the day before the smartphones when you actually had to stop and ask for directions when your pride couldn't get you through? I mean, it saved me in a lot of a humiliating conversations. Amen, the smartphone. You remember that feeling when you just felt like you were driving in circles and you didn't know what you were doing, you didn't know where you were going, but you were just going? I believe today there are a lot of people who are moving, but they're not necessarily moving in the direction that their life has in store for them. They're not necessarily moving in the direction that God had destined them to, to be in. 
they're just existing. Have you ever felt that way? Man, have you ever felt like, have you ever felt like you were just abandoned? I mean, maybe it was by friends, maybe it was by co-workers, maybe it was by a spouse, maybe it was by children. Maybe you felt like God abandoned you. Maybe you felt like God wasn't crying out, he wasn't hearing your prayers. Maybe heaven was brass and, 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 and you just felt all alone. Have you ever thought, God, how in the world could you let this happen? Maybe on the other hand, you've just felt, a good way to summarize it, maybe you've just felt a little aimless. Like there was nothing to shoot at. I mean, you were ready and you were set on fire, but you didn't know what to shoot at. Well, I want you to understand that over the next four weeks, what we want to begin to do is to begin to pull that together and begin to say, God, here is my greatest need. Lord, here is my greatest burden. God, here is my greatest struggle. Now, I'm not saying for you to stop that after four weeks, but we're going to be preparing for four weeks so that we can walk this out as a church for a lifetime. For a matter of fact, the Bible says this. I mean, the Bible did not say that my house shall be called a house of worship. It didn't say that my house should be called a house of preaching. It didn't say that my house should be called anything but a house of prayer. And yet it's the one thing that we do the least, and I'm as guilty as anybody in many cases, of not leading strong enough in that area. What is prayer? Well, if you look up the definition of prayer, it's interesting. It says it's a devoted, it's, a, it's a, someone who is devoted to give a petition to a God with a little g. Yes, you can pray to Yahweh. Yes, you can pray to the, tri, the, the living God. But yes, you can pray to statues. Statues, yes, you can pray to, you can pray through prayer claws, you can pray through beads, you can pray through all kind of things, you can pray to all kind of little bitty gods. But the second definition of prayer is where the rubber meets the road. It says, prayer is communion with God, capital G. You see, you might pray to a statue. But you're not going to have any communion. You may recite a petition to a wooden god or to an idol, but it will never have communion with you. The only person I ever known to, or ever studied about to get a response out of a wooden god was God. When the Philistines finally captured the ark in the book of 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, they took the ark of the covenant and they brought it in to their temple, to their place of worship. And there was a god, a wooden god there, and his name was Dagon. And they placed the ark of God where the power and the presence of God was. And then they placed him next to Dagon. And they came in the next day excited about capturing the ark of God. And man, there was their wooden God laying down in front of it. They thought, man, somebody must, somebody must come lay him down, knock him over. Laying down in front of the ark. They stood him back up. Dagon, you, you can't be laying down in front of the ark. Stood him up. 
Next day, came back, same thing, except he's de- decapitated. And his story kept unfolding. Before long, only thing left was Dagon's torso. God's the only one I know that can get a response out of a chunk of wood. Matter of fact, he told the, the church people, the religious people in the New Testament when it was his triumphal entry, they said, make all these people quit worshiping you. And he said, I would, but you'd be more upset when all the rocks start because there's more rocks than there are them. You see, God can get a response out of something that is dead, something that is creation, but you and I can have no communion with something unless it's alive. And I want you to know something today, that our God is not dead. He's not off on sick leave. He didn't take a sabbatical today, my brothers and sisters in Christ. He is alive and well, and he wants to have communion with you and with me. So what must we have? Well, if you look in John 17 and verse 1, Jesus says, and now then, O Father. He had dealt with a lot of heavy stuff in those previous verses. He had left with a lot of heavy stuff, but Jesus spoke up and he looked up into heaven and he said, Father, the hour is here. The time has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify who? You. So that your son may glorify you. Father, you, for you gave him authority over all flesh. So he, he may give eternal life to all you have given him. Goes on in verse 3, and this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God. The only true God. See, there's always been lots of little gods running around. But the true God, and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. Father, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father... Would you glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world ever was? Well, there's some deep theology in this chapter right here. And boy, it'll stretch some people's theology tremendously. And as we think about this, he begins to share a couple of things. And here's the things. I'm telling you today that if you want to have a solid prayer life, if you want to have a solid prayer circle, if you want to have a solid hit list, the first thing your prayer must do is it must not look out, but it must look up. And when Jesus began to pray, his first thing was, and now, O oh Father, now, Father, glorify my wretched life and the only way that God can begin to glorify our wretched life is for us to be already glorifying him you see Jesus wasn't living a life of rebellion but Jesus was living a life of obedience and in living a life of obedience the father had been glorifying him all along the way There was glory in a manger. Can I get a witness? There was glory in the river when he was baptized. Can I get a witness? There was glory not only in the manger and not only in the river, but there was glory on the mountain when all of a sudden Jesus was transfigured. And the glory of God showed up and God said, that's my son, 
I'm pleased with him. On the river, when he was baptized, he said, that's my son. I'm pleased with him. There was not only glory on a, in a manger, not only glory in a river, not only glory on a mountain, but there was glory on the cross. And not only was there glory on the cross, when the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who was before the foundation of the world, laying down His life for you and I, it was there that He said, It is finished, Father. Not only was there glory on the cross, but there was glory in the earth. Because on Sunday the stone had been rolled away and the grave clothes had been folded neatly and was lying there. Because the sun had been gloried in the earth. But then there was the glory in the earthen vessel. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. And now then you have this treasure in earthen vessels. The glory of God. The glory of God. The treasure of the Holy Spirit that's been deposited into our hearts and our lives. You see, to have a strong prayer life. To have a strong prayer family. To have a prayers that are being answered. First of all, they have to look up. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples when he said, teach us how to pray. He said the first thing you need to do is say, our Father who is in heaven. You're just so awesome and your name's so holy. The first thing that we must do in our prayer life is that it must give adoration back to the deity. It must glorify God. And the only way that you can truly glorify God is to not only glorify Him with your words, but to glorify Him with your actions. You see, people can say anything, but they can't do anything. There's people who can say they love you, but they can't ever show it. You see, it's not about what you say, but it's about what you do. It's about what is your, not what is your reaction, but what are your actions. And today, if you want to have a strong foundation in your prayer life, I'm telling you today that you don't need to look to Honey the Circle Maker. You need to look to the cross of crosses, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not talking about some crosses hanging around your neck. I'm talking about the Lamb of God that went to the cross and He died on the cross for you and I. I'm not telling you to look to somebody who's just like we are as a role model for your prayer life. I'm not telling you to look to Elijah. I'm not telling you to look to Elisha. Look to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father is what it says in Hebrews. And then in Hebrews 4, he says, you don't have a high priest who's not like you are, who can't sympathize with your weaknesses because he was tempted in all those ways, yet without sin. And now you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Listen, there's a tight balancing act that you and I must walk in our prayer life 
on our petitions that we don't get spin out of control into the into the prosperity gospel that says just name it and claim it blab it and grab it and God will do all those things but I am telling you there's something else that we need to grab hold of that you're not Mickey mousing around not believing God for something that's bigger than you are for something that's greater than you are and saying how dare I ever have the audacity to say something to God like that listen God commanded you God commissioned you to come to his presence boldly with courage not like a scolded child who's just been lectured by a father but by a father whose arms are stretched out open wide Jesus said I ever live to make intercession for you matter of fact he says in Romans 8, when you don't even know how to pray and you feel like you can't pray, the Holy Spirit will make intercession for you with groanings that cannot be understood. Listen today, if you want to have a solid prayer circle, you don't need to look to a modern day hero. You need to look to Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever in the middle of your circle, in the middle of whatever it is. You need to have the cross, a cross-centered circle. You say, Pastor, if this is a circle maker, why in the world do you have a rectangle around your, your circle maker up there? Because I don't give a rip what you put your prayer list on. I don't care if you have a circle. I don't care if you have a rectangle, a square, an octagon, or an isosceles triangle. For the love of all, just put something down on paper and believe God for something that's greater than you are for something that's bigger than you are for a miracle that you can't produce in the flesh for a gift that you can't do in the flesh and trust and obey him because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to walk it out by trusting and obeying you got to look up and you got to look in the next thing Jesus did, after looking up, he looked inward. He said, I have completed the work. I want you to take me back to heaven and glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world ever was because I have finished my race. I have done what I was sent to do. I have redeemed mankind. When Jesus was, listen, when Jesus was getting ready, he was laying all of this out. He was saying, Father, I have been obedient. I want you to know that he was making the way down that Via Della Rosa. He was getting ready to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And I want you to know that he wished he could have bypassed the torture and the beating and the scourging and all that he went through on the cross of Calvary. But he never said for one minute that he wasn't willing to do it because he was willing to lay down his life for you and I. He looked inwardly. We must search our hearts. We've got to search our hearts. As we begin to search our hearts, we ask ourselves, what have I been doing? How have I been living? Matter of fact, if you look at this, he goes on and he says, Father, I look at verse 6, I have revealed your name to men that you have gave me on the earth from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. And now they know all things and you have given me. And they are from you because the words that you have given me I have given them to everybody else. And he goes on and he says, And they have received them, and they have known for certain that I have came from you. In other words, he's saying, It wasn't about me. I wasn't trying to make a reputation for myself. They know that it was 
you. Matter of fact, you remember when he resurrected Lazarus from the dead and he was there standing and praying on the mountain. And he says, I'm not praying for me, God, but I'm praying for all those around that they'll know that this is from you. Listen, many times Jesus had intimacy with the Father. He had communion with the Father. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he, he, he went in the wilderness and spent 40 days in prayer and fasting. It says that many times he withdrew from the crowds to spend time with the Father. It says that he went up on the mountain to spend time with the Father, not even with the disciples. He sent them away. And then there was times like in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, come on, guys. And he took Pete, Jim, and John, and he went there. He got his closest brothers to come with him to pray, and they were asleep at the wheel. But there he was in agony praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he came and woke him up. He said, come on, guys, wake up. The hour is here. You need to pray like you've never prayed before. I want you to know today, my church family, my faith family, and for those of you who are watching at home, the hour is here. The hour is here. If there's ever been a time for a church to get off of their spiritual duffs and engage, engage the world that is spiraling out of control and men have been given over to their own desires and to take the good news that Jesus saves to a hell-bound world, that time is right now. That time is right now. And for some of you who's watching at home today, you can't make it to a church any longer because you're not physically able. But right where you are, you can begin to pray for us as a faith family that we will run forward into the plague, that we will stand firm in the plague, and that we will look for the blessing in the plague, and that we will look to Jesus for the answer and the provision for life. You must look up. You must look in. Jesus examined himself. He said, Father, I've done what you've sent me to do. And then he looked inwardly a little bit further. He began to deal with his closest friends. See, I believe looking inwardly is beyond just ourselves. I believe it's our family. And at this time in the life of Jesus, he was surrounded with his family. You see, his mom and, and Joseph wasn't there, but you remember when they came looking for him, one time Jesus they said, your mother and your brothers want to see you. And Jesus says, well, these who do the will of God are my brothers and my sisters. And he was surrounded by people who were doing the will of God. And in these next few verses, from verses 6 through 19, he just spends time praying for those who were in his immediate family. For those who were in his immediate circle of influence. Sphere of influence. And only after he had searched his heart, only after he had searched his own motives, only after he had searched his own actions, did he then move from looking up to looking in to at that point looking out. And then in the closing verses of this chapter, in chapter verses 20 through 26, he spends the rest of the time praying for you and I. He prayed for the disciples who would go out into all the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He began to pray for the, for the ones who would share. Matter of fact, he began to pray for those who would believe. Who would believe. You remember what he told Thomas? He said, Thomas, you, you believe because you saw it. You believe it because you touched it. But blessed are those who believe and never see it. Only after he had looked up and only after he had looked in did he then begin to look out. I'm afraid our prayer life is the direct opposite. I'm afraid that we look out. And then we look in. And only after we look in 
or has our ADD kicked in and we no longer are able to sit there in prayer? Can I get a witness? Amen. Am I the only one struggle with that? Our mind is rambling off. And oh, oh Lord, I've spent so much time looking out. I've spent so much time looking to my immediate family. Oh, oh God, I'll get back with you. I, I don't have much time to look up. Some of you have sicknesses that you can't get over. The doctors have given up on you. I'm asking you to plant the cross in the middle of that situation and hang your prayer request off the cross. I'm asking you today, if you're going through a broken marriage or a broken relationship or or trying to have a redemptive relationship with your children or something, I'm asking you, would you plant the cross in the middle of it? Would you begin to look to Jesus, the author and finish of your faith? Jesus said, if you would just lift me up, I would draw all men unto me. The Bible does say in Psalms 34 that he would give us the desires of our heart. But it says only after we take delight in his law. Only after we take delight in his word and we dwell in his presence. You see, if you're taking delight in his word and you're dwelling in his presence, then you really won't have to worry about your own prosperity because that won't be the top of your hit list your desires will be God's desires your will will be God's will here's what I'm asking you to do today would you begin to pray for the will of God for your life would you begin to play pray for the plan of God for your life the provision of God in your life would you begin to pray for God to take your relationship and your intimacy with him to a new level like never before today would you begin to pray upwardly? And only after you've spent time praying upwardly would you begin to pray inwardly. And after you've prayed inwardly, would you then join with us in praying outwardly that God would use us to reach our city. There are some principles in the Bible study that we're going to be going over in the next several weeks in your missional community groups that are fundamental in that book. I'm not looking to the mysticism of Honey the Circle Maker. I don't want you looking to the mysticism of some rabbi who lived thousands of years ago patterning your, patterning your prayer life after it. I want you to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Because if he is not the center, you're having sinful praying. And there will be no answer to sinful praying. As we've gone through this sermon this morning, if God has spoken to your heart and your life, let him be a blessing to you. Let him just take your hands off your life and let him take your life to the next level. Maybe, it, maybe you're not able to join us. Maybe you're limited physically and just can't get out of the home or the place where you live and, and, and you can't go to the streets with us week in and week out. But right there where you are, you can begin to pray for us. Place us in the middle of your circle. And begin to pray for God's power and provision in our life. If you'd like, we could email you a list of that. Email a list of those things. Or you can call the office. And we'll give you a list of the things that are our greatest barriers and our greatest struggles. And then begin to share what is our greatest dream. I hope the Lord has spoken to your heart and richly blessed you today.
looking for childcare? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. This ministry would not be possible. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.